You are listening to The Bean Dad Show on Mountain Bike Radio. Welcome to The Bean Dad Show. I'm your host, Ben Welnack. Here we are, sixth episode. Wait, six? Yeah, I know what some of you are thinking. Uh, it's been a long time since the last episode. It's actually been... April was the last episode, so over seven months ago. During those seven months, I know that Mountain Bike Radio has changed a lot. It's going to change a lot. Uh, working on a new website, and I have a lot of plans for uh, different things, some some different routes that we're going to take, and some old ways, new ways, whatever. It's been a long time. There are a lot of new listeners, which I appreciate, by the way. But uh, so I'll quickly recap what the Being Dad show is all about. For all you fans that were listening before, I'm back. Uh, it wasn't going to die. And uh, I'll keep this going uh, moving forward as well. A lot of things have gone on the last seven months and been busy moving, uh, starting up new things, taking on some other things that I've done before. Uh, long story short, I'm... Uh, tired. <laughs> but anyhow, so what's going on? New listeners, here's a scoop about the Being Dad show. I am a father, two young children. Uh, my son, Clay, is three and a half. My daughter, Paige, is two. This is a lot. <laughs> I currently stay home with them all days of the week. Uh, for a while last year, we had them in daycare three days a week, but uh, since have decided to take them out. And I wanted a place, I've been doing mountain bike radio for a long time. It's been three years, three and a half years. Uh, I like the first year I, I don't uh, really call it mountain bike radio, but uh, it has been going that long. And during the course of that time, A, I became a father and B, I talked to a lot of different people, uh, owners of businesses, racers, uh, people doing all kinds of things around the mountain bike world. And a lot of them are parents. And I got to thinking that, um, and then I, well, a couple different things. I got to thinking, wouldn't it be cool if I shared some stories of, of those people doing those things, but on a different angle. And during the same time, you know, the last couple of years, I got a lot of feedback from people telling me how, you know, they do this with kids. I listen and, um, you know, it gives me some good ideas to work in while I'm doing things with my kids or, and we do have a lot of high school coaches and it just got me thinking, there's gotta be a way that I can share some of these stories, um, maybe throw in some of my own tips. And, uh, that's how it all came to be. That's your story. And this episode is an interview I did back in February that I've been sitting on for this next episode. So a lot of the information or the details, specific details are old. They're from February. Our kids have grown up. We've learned a lot of things. Uh, so I think I'm going to have to have Daniel on after he re-listens to this and uh, <laughs> sees the insight he's gained uh, since February, which was nearly a year ago. Basically, this episode is going to be a whole, uh, just an interview. And in it, I interview Daniel Bird. He is the program director for Kids on Bikes. You can head over to kidsonbikes.net or over at facebook.com slash kidsonbikescs or on Twitter. Go to twitter.com 
slash kids on bikes CS. But I met Daniel, oh, several years, two or three years ago at a uh, gravel ride that I had created. And uh, we met, hit it off, we talk, and you'll see in the interview, but uh, we talk a lot <laughs> when we get together. Um, we have some things in common. He's a really good guy, uh, is doing a lot of really cool things. Obviously, he's a, you know, part of kids on bikes and it is what it sounds like it is they put kids on bikes and uh, have a really cool program in colorado springs colorado and i wanted to get him on he has some some good insight into not only having twins but uh you know working with kids on a daily basis so that's what this episode is all about if you're listening to the show upon its release or just a few days after there is no proper show page on mountain bike radio Dot com. Usually what I do is I create a show page for itself, but I am in the process of transferring or creating a new mountain bike radio website. And then I will be transferring over a lot of the information from the old site to the new site. Uh, so it's a process that uh, I've been working through. There will be a proper show page, but for right now you can go to the homepage mountainbikeradio.com if you want to stream it on the desktop or you have any questions or maybe you want to listen to other shows. You can find the details and the show links on the app. So if you just head over to any of your app store, type in Mountain Bike Radio, download it, and all the information will be right there. And I will eventually have it on the new show. I'm recording this the early mornings of Saturday, November 21st. Uh, my goal is to have the new website up and going and functioning uh, sometime before the end of November. Keep your eye open for that. If you have any questions, comments, send me an email. Uh, but in the show notes, I will link a few different links of note, a donate link. So if you listen to this and you really appreciate what they have going on and you want to help them out, uh, you can always, they definitely welcome donations. So you can head over to that. So check the show notes for the link. Uh, in it, Daniel also mentions a previous interview that I did uh, with him and the executive director. I will link that in the show notes as well so you don't have to go digging around all the archives. But if you are looking up for all the archives, maybe listen to this on iTunes or some other feed or somewhere that you can't uh, tune in or Stitcher. Maybe you can't dig through what you want to. There's always the app option, which you can get every archived show of Mountain Bike Radio. You can type in, uh, open the app, go to the search bar, type in any episode or title or title of show that you're looking for and it'll pull up a list of those shows but you can scroll through the hundreds and hundreds of episodes we have out there uh so i will put that previous episode link in the show notes so check those out i will also put a link in there to contact daniel so if you have any questions comments uh you're wondering how you could help anything like that i definitely recommend it that's enough of me talking I want to thank you. Like I said, if you're a new member or a, a new listener, new listener of the show, I really appreciate uh, you checking it out. I would encourage you to head back into the first uh, five episodes, uh, the first several, I think maybe first three episodes. I actually uh, read a bunch of emails from a lot of listeners who uh, came out of the woodwork and sent me a ton of emails about uh, who they were, their family, the situation, just to give you, uh, the listener, an idea of uh, all the dads out there. So 
Uh, I won't say that this is a woman-free space because I'm sure we'll have some ladies on at some point, but this is for you, the dad. I'm a dad, you're a dad, and uh, we share a lot in common. Even if we're different worlds doing different things, we share a lot in common, and there's a lot of good people doing some cool stuff and sharing some really good ideas and stories, and I'm going to bring them to you if you ever have any recommendations. Maybe you know somebody that's doing something really cool. Um, I'm always open to suggestions. I'm always, uh, I always try to get them on the air and, uh, talk to them. Like I said, I'm, I'm really sorry that I kind of let this fall by the wayside. Uh, just a quick update. Uh, we moved again. Uh, we, uh, not too far from where we lived before, but we're up in North Dakota, just, uh, North of the Monahay trail. And, um, uh, my wife took a new job and just overall situation was much better for us. So we had to uh, kind of jump on that. So we were moving. Kids are out of daycare. We decided that I, you know, it was best for me to, to do that. We saved money, raise the kids ourselves. And what comes with that is a lot of late nights. So if you appreciate what you're hearing, you appreciate uh, all the stuff that's going into it. I, I'm dedicated to, uh, getting this to be a more regular thing. I, you know, I feel like I let you, the listener down by, uh, by kind of falling off the horse. Uh, I know I had a pretty good following just the feedback and the emails and the listeners. Um, I felt that this show, uh, more so even than a lot of the other shows really, really brought together a, a group of people. Cause I, I felt it just on this side of the mic and I, you know, I, I got the feeling that a lot of you kind of connected with it as well. So uh, I look forward to where this is all going to go. And, uh, you know, like I said, if if you appreciate it, just share it with some buddies. Tell them about Mountain Bike Radio. Tell them about the show. Whatever you need to do, I would appreciate it. The other thing I would encourage you to do is check out mountainbikeradio.com forward slash membership. And what this is, is my way of uh, providing some income for mountain bike radio without uh, filling your ears with advertising that just frankly isn't relevant. I, I listen to a ton of podcasts, uh, really good podcasts, like awesome. Like they have millions of listeners. And then I hear advertisements for uh, like audible.com and me undies.com. Audible is good. Um, you know, it can be related to a lot of stuff. So that's kind of kind of a better one, but you know, like me undies or some just other random, uh, stamps.com, you know, in a listening to a hunting podcast and, uh, stamps.com comes on or listening to a, another one. I, I listen to it's a, happens to be a hunting podcast as well, but you know, they'll be talking and he stops for an advertisement of FanDuel. I mean, cool, but it has nothing to do with it. And it just, I just find it irritating to, to be filling up, airtime with ads and I'd much rather spend the time focused on you, the listener, the time, the energy, the money, whatever it takes to get this to you than spend the extra time during the day talking to somebody on the phone, sending emails, whatever it takes to get $25 or $50 of advertising. It just, it, it doesn't, it's not worth my time and it takes away from what my ultimate goal is, is to provide higher quality, better stuff for you. In exchange, 
I ask you guys to get involved. So if you want to be part of Mountain Bike Radio, uh, you go to mountainbikeradio.com slash membership and you'll find out uh, we have a private message group forum. So if uh, you go to slack.com, you can kind of get an idea what it's all about. But it is a private group. It's like a private forum uh, that uh, you can get on your desktop and there's a really slick app. And I share, you know, inside stuff like uh, I've been sharing uh, some of the background uh, behind the scenes details of me updating the new website. So you got screenshots. You, I shared a link so people can play play around in there and they get an idea of what's going on there. I share, um, I kind of keep a steady stream of all the latest shows. So instead of like having to follow Facebook and follow Twitter and follow all this stuff, you just get an update on your, on, in your thing right there. And then we can discuss it. So I share extra details about episodes or if I read a uh, article about this and a lot of the members share stories or pictures. And so we kind of all go back and forth and there's a big group in there just for mountain bike radio members and uh, pretty cool. I, I'm excited. There's a lot of people in there and it, it, it's great to see the discussion and there's a lot of private discussions. You can set up uh, discussions with other members, discussion with me. So if you have a question or comment suggestions, you can send me a message directly pretty slick. And I really like that. And it's a good benefit for people that are interested in everything mountain bike radio has going on. Additionally, you get a t-shirt, you get, uh, depending on level, you can get a pint, a new, uh, mountain bike radio pint glass or a set of fix it sticks, a whole list of deals. I just added, uh, just talking to uh, Katie over at feedback sports. Uh, she, they're going to throw in a deal for all mountain bike radio members, all kinds of really good stuff. Um, that's, you know, that's my goal. I don't want to just take your money and say, Oh yeah, thanks. You know, you're providing something for Mountain Bike Radio, which you are, but you are getting involved. Uh, you get something for that. You get your money. If you use some of these deals, you'll get your money back. So it's a win, win and win for the companies too. So I appreciate it. So that's my sales pitch. Uh, again, Daniel Bird, kids on bikes. That's what this episode's all about. So here's the interview. I hope you enjoy it. Sit back, drive your car, do your work, whatever you do when you're listening. But uh, hope you enjoy it, and we'll talk soon. Thank you. Hey, listeners. Welcome. I'm Ben, and uh, I just gave you a full description in the first part of the Being Dad show this episode. So with me, Daniel Bird. He has been on the show before. If you don't didn't hear the episode with Daniel and Nikki about kids on bikes, I will link that in the show notes. Or just go to your app, go to iTunes, scroll down the list of shows, search for kids on bikes, and you'll find it. So before we get rolling, if you're listening to this, you can go to kids on bikes. Oh shoot, kidsonbikes.org, Daniel, or dot net. Kidsonbikes.net. Okay. I always mess that up. So listeners, kid, go to kidsonbikes.net to find out all the information. I'll link it in the show notes. I'll You can find them on Facebook, Twitter. I'll link all that in the show notes as well. So, all right, Daniel. So last time I had you on, we were talking about kids on bikes, right? And yep. it's a natural fit. So as we're going through the interview, it's a total natural fit. You have kids, you have a fam, you know, your wife and kids, you work yep. with kids all the time. And uh, I wanted to get you on the show. So thanks for joining me. Oh, absolutely. All right. 
So listeners, if you're new to the Being Dad show, you got a full description in the first half of this, this episode, but it's a little bit scaled back, a little bit more relaxed, and more of a discussion basically between dads. The whole point of the show is to be a place for dads to go share their experiences, share their stories. I've had a lot of emails in the first few episodes of the Being Dad show um, where I shared, I had people send me emails and um, I read them and there's a lot of guys out there listening that we're all in the same situation. So I wanted to, I have a, gave Daniel a whole list of topics to discuss, but we'll probably go off topic. (laughs) We'll probably get, go off on stories about our kids or stuff that we did maybe before kids or now that have changed us. Um, so it may follow a script. It may not, or an outline, not a script. Um, so that's it. All right. There's a lot of things to talk about here. (laughs) Um, all right. So just give us an idea or give listeners an idea about your family. So just, you don't, I mean, you don't have to give us names and everything, but you can, but, um, you know, talk about your kids, talk about yourself, your, maybe your wife, just give us a picture of what it would be like to walk into the bird household on a, uh, you know, just a a Wednesday night, for example. (laughs) Awesome. Oh man. Well, uh, my beautiful wife, Sarah and I have been married for, oh gosh, nearly in September, it'll be, I think eight years. So you're getting um, to the point where you can't remember anymore. Now you have to have I, reference I, things. And I, I <laughs> Oops. No, that's Sorry. fine. I, I mean, Sorry, I, babe. yeah, I uh, made our garage code our anniversary. So that way I would remember. Genius. I should. Yeah. <laughs> it just um, gets to the point where it's been so long. Like you remember, but you have to think about it, you know? Yeah. Well, and the, the kid having kids throws it off just a little bit because now the time frame goes into we've had kids for this long and so my mind was trying to yeah. do the math and I'm a social worker by 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 schooling and everything math was not my my strong skill set. Um, sure. I'm sure she's used to it at this point, so you're good. Don't yes, worry. Yeah. God bless her. Yeah. Um, so we had uh, we both work full time and uh, we have three-year-old twin boys. So we had identical twin boys that turned three last September. And, um, on any given Wednesday night, of course, you're going to walk in and <laughs> the, the house will be somewhat destroyed. And either I've participated in that or not, uh, dishes need to be done. Laundry's piling up. Um, but we're having fun. And my wife is a phenomenal cook. So she's um, taking care of us with good, healthy food and all that. And I'm, uh, I don't know if the boys are fighting or not. They can be best friends one second and then enemies another. And then five minutes later, they're playing together again. So, um, you know, and of course, Sarah and I's energy level will, uh, it's usually on the lower end at the, towards the end of the day. So it's just, uh, but and at, at the same time, uh, we're always really happy to be home and it's kind of like, it's always the best part of the day. Uh, we have this ongoing Usually every day we ask, so what was the best part of your day? And the answer is right now. It's always right now because we're at home and now, you know, work day was great or not. doesn't really matter anymore because um, here we are back at home and we can relax and hang out and play. I mean, uh, usually it's, it's probably the best time for me and the boys to, 
to run amok. And I de-stress by wrestling with them or playing or kind of becoming a kid myself for a little bit. Um, you know, whether it's outside or inside, depending on the weather. So Wednesday night, thankfully, is is typically a stay at home, you know, nothing like a, uh, I don't know, every other week my wife has a girls group or, you know, sometimes there's a work thing, but Wednesday nights usually are at home and we make a good night of it. So I'm, I'm curious about the cooking and cleaning thing. Oh yes. <laughs> so do you, she, you said she does a lot of cooking. Do you do any of the cooking or is it, is it, a, is it where you do like all the cleaning and she does all the cooking? How do you guys divide that stuff up? No, that's exactly it. And you know, we didn't, we never sat down to say, um, I'll do this if you do this and we'll do that. Now granted, we will have to, you do have to figure out tasks sometimes yeah, it's just, it's like, Hey, will you get this done? No, I can't wait. Well, please right. come on and you know, or whatever. And sometimes that can explode, but there's like, there's the natural, there's just this natural, um, best example is laundry. My, my wife worked at a group home for adults with disabilities and she did endless loads of laundry. So like, she never wants to see it again. She hates putting the laundry away, but I don't mind it at all. So there you go. It's a natural, right. I take care of putting laundry. Away. Now she'll start a load of laundry. That's fine. She'll put it into the dry. Like we can do that, but I will typically take care of putting it away. She'll grocery shop because I look at food and I'm a very functional eater. I'll just, if it's in front of me, I'll eat it. A lot of times I don't even wash my vegetables. I'll just eat. My wife is far better at planning meals and loves to cook and all this stuff. And for me, it's real easy to go in after her and clean up and, and do the dishes. So we typically um, kind of just complement each other as best we can. And then for the most part, it happens pretty organically. We don't, like I said, we haven't had too many uh, conversations where we spell out all the household chores and go item by item. Uh, but naturally, I'll take care of outdoor stuff and yard work and uh, things like that, um, taking out the garbage, yeah. whatever. But she'll, she kind of monitors the, you know, certainly takes care of the food and food's a big priority for us. Eating healthy and feeding our boys healthy food is a huge priority. Um, and I'm more apt to say, oh, heck, let's go, like, let's go get some hamburgers. <laughs> <laughs> let's. Me and the boys have definitely, you know, on Tuesday nights when Sarah is gone, yeah, I have definitely taken the boys to an all-you-can-eat pizza buffet. <laughs> we have an awesome time. Okay. Uh, so you, the thing I found too, it, you, you can't. So we have a, you know, like a monthly food budget, right? But the, yeah. the the eating out is good at one hand because you're like, oh man, you know, it'd be nice. And actually, I'm right now as we're recording this, I'm in Minnesota putting on the fat bike frozen forty. So. Yeah. If you listeners, if you see all this stuff about the fat bike frozen 40, that's, that's the deal. But my point being is right now I'm, I'm staying at a buddy's house and we've went grocery shopping, but I was working at a coffee shop yesterday. So I bought lunch and it was the first time I actually, I don't buy out food out a lot, mm -hmm. but you get, it was like, it was really good to have just buy it and not have to cook it myself because <laughs> I do all the cooking. But, um, I spent, I mean, it was like nine bucks, right? I mean, for nine bucks that's a lot of food that yeah. if you cook, I mean, that's the boys meals for like two days, right. For you, um, or one at this point, three yeah. years old. Um, eat, right. Yeah. 
They're eating uh, huge now. Yeah, but. my daughter is a little bit smaller, so she doesn't eat much. But my point being, it's nice to just say screw it and go eat. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm I'm curious about the boys with the grocery store. So is it? So I do. We kind of yeah. split actually. My wife and I kind of do both grocery shopping, but it's she always makes a point because I'm home with the kids mm-hmm. quite a bit. And she always makes a point. She's like, oh, I'll go to the grocery store and take the kids. So it's like a quiet time for me. But yeah. Every time I go to the grocery store, I don't want to take the kids. Like, <laughs> so does she, does she say, hey, this is my time. Just take the boys and uh, I'm going to go to the store. Um, it, it is and it isn't. Depends. Okay. So Thursday, my wife, for the most part, works from home. And that's just sort of built into her schedule because we're fortunate enough to have both parents in in town so they're in preschool now a little bit they're getting into more preschool uh later on in the next few months and whatnot but so in the last you know since the boys were born really um grandparents have loved to be involved and have been a big part of our weekly routine so that sarah and i can both keep working but sarah's job has been really flexible with her to allow her to work from home so that being said that they make their trip to the grocery store at least once a week and the boys go with her when she's at home with them on Thursdays. So, and they do, they have a great time doing it. And the boys look forward to it. And a lot of the big, the game around the house is, Hey boys, where do you want to go? Let's go to Costco. <laughs> oh, okay. What are you going to get? I'm going to get yogurt. I'm going to get oranges. And you know, it's, they love it and they, they have a great time. If I go, I'm struggling hard enough just to find my way around because <laughs> I hardly ever go. Right. Don't, I have to like confirm every detail about what product I'm supposed to buy because Sarah, you know, in doing it so frequently, she, she knows exactly what she wants to buy. And I'm like, well, okay, wait, what is it? Is it this one or this one or this one? Because we have so many choices in this country with the right. grocery store yeah. that I, and then if it's choosing, uh, fruits or vegetables, you know, I, I, I haven't made the best choices in the past. So Sarah's kind of like, you suck at going to the grocery store. Just let me go. So yeah. sometimes it is her own quiet time away, and I will stay home with the boys on uh, Saturday or Sunday as well. Um, so it's a little bit of both uh, depending on the situation, but I don't think I've ever gone to the grocery store by myself with the boys. I've taken the boys lots of places by myself. Right. The grocery store is not one of okay. them. Yeah. So, <laughs> it's a little too stressful. Yeah, I just wanted to paint a picture of, like, it's you're pretty – Pretty typical family with two little ones. Yeah. Because I, listeners, if you know, I, I put this show out there to be a show for dads, those with dads, those who are going to be dads, and those who are dads. So listeners, if you're thinking about or you're planning on being a dad sometime in the future, and uh, you're thinking about having, well, if you end up having two <laughs> at one time, um, or if you have two little kids, there's a lot of considerations. The, the one's easy. I mean, it, one is easy, but when you have two little ones come along, there's a lot of considerations. And I, I think one of those that you don't think about before becoming a parent is how are you going to, the whole grocery store thing, like it's not just easy to roll in the grocery store anymore and uh, concentrate on what you're doing. Right. So you don't think about that before you're, before you become a parent. No, not at all. And then you have a whole lot of empathy and you look around and you're like, oh, I get it now. Right. Dude, before you'd be walking through, be like, man, 
Is it crazy? Like mom and dad, it's like they don't even, they're just ignoring it. What's that all about? <laughs> oh, I it's, understand now. Right. It's just, it's one of those things where you spend, I found that everyone's going to give you advice on these big ish that seem like big issues that you really just don't even have to worry about. Honestly, yeah. like, you know, you can, a crib, for example, you could spend endless amount of time researching, having people tell you all this stuff about cribs. End of the day, they all have the same safety standards, so your kid's not going to yep. get hurt. And at the end of the day, the kid's probably going to sleep in it. And if the kid doesn't sleep in it because it's too hard, you put another blanket down. If it's too soft, if it's too cold, big deal. But it's all yeah. this day-to-day -day stuff, like the going to the grocery store that you need to consider. All right, so we've we've painted the picture for listeners. They have a good idea of, you know, that you're just you're like any other guy, right? Mm -hmm. So I want to dig into some of more specific stuff. Like you, I mentioned you are, what's your ex exact title at kids on bikes? Program director. All right. So program director. So you're important. <laughs> <laughs> and we were just talking. Some, some at, days I am. Yeah. So here's a little sneak peek. Um, somehow I screwed up the recording and we were, before we got to this, um, just talking off the air about how uh, the the patience aspect of being a dad, and we'll talk about that. And I was just explaining to Daniel that um, you know my thoughts on the difference in some jobs, right? Because a, a lot of people, you know, you might be listening. You, you sit in your cube. You might have to deal with a few people. You're not really an outward facing. Uh, part of or your job isn't really out, outward facing job where you have to deal with customers and clients constantly all day. Right. So you might have to, you do your work, but you might have to deal with two or three people. Whereas somebody like Daniel, when he's dealing, you know, he's coordinating things, he's dealing with people on a constant basis, dealing with um, issues and working with kids. And, you know, there's obviously days where he can kind of just bury himself and just be alone but at the end of the day, his job is to connect all these people. And the, the patience it takes, I don't think a lot of people appreciate sometimes the patience it takes to do this all day and put on your happy fa face when you don't want to. <laughs> it's easy to do it when, you're, when you want to, but when you're having a crappy day or something's just not right and you just don't want to, to be yeah. able to do that, it takes a special person and some patience. Um, so I want to talk about things that you've yeah so Patience. being a dad yeah things that you've learned of of being a dad and we'll kind of connect that to you know yeah. experiences with kids on bikes and that stuff but i'm going back i'm i want to i like to talk to those guys that are about to be dads like they're talking to their wives they're planning this stuff out yeah. and um because there's a lot of things you can learn in the first couple of years that you thought you knew maybe you figured <laughs> you'd learn and and then it happens and you know it all goes to hell, right? <laughs> you just learn day by day at that point. One, yeah, it's, it's very similar. I I got in this, uh, and I'll get out of the way here in a second, and we can talk. But um, I got in this discussion the other day. It was about fat bikes and tubeless tires. There's a fat bike group out there. Many of you are part of, and I I had to get myself involved because you know people are throwing around all these things, saying, "Oh, I don't want to go tubeless. I want to go tubeless." And I, I don't want to do this. And what about burping? And if I run at lower pressures, like the tire's going to fall off. And people started giving exact details of, you know, 
if you do this diameter at this pressure and this width, like the, the, it's going to blow off the rim and all these scientific trying to be like real scientific about it and stating mm -hmm. all these facts. And, and I said, you know what? It's great. You can give me all those things. But then if you get on a trail with some rocks and roots and off camber and different weight and different temperature, if you put all that stuff together, it's pretty hard to determine exactly what's going to happen with that tire on every given instance. And the first time you, you hit something that you weren't planning on hitting, it all goes to hell. Yeah. Right. And that's exactly like being a parent. Yeah. You thought you calculated it all out and you thought it, all this, and then it's, it just, you have to end up learning day yeah. by day. You, you cannot build up enough wheel sets or bikes to handle <laughs> the situation. Right. Exactly. That being a dad, right. You had better be the best all around bike possible. Yeah. My, I could put my personal opinions in there about how you got to simplify your bike to minimize the all the things that could go wrong if you sweat all those little things that in the end of the day don't make a big difference this right. is i'm getting on my soapbox about why yeah, i ride absolutely. this is this is where you do it man i wear I, I ride a fixie mountain bike even because it's like i, I don't want to have to sweat the least amount of stuff that i can sweat while i'm out there on my bike and it's the same thing it goes into the simplifying i i've one of the biggest things that i've come away with in being a dad is how much you really need to simplify as much as you can be and, and it helps you prioritize in a big big way so you know you were mentioning those you know people about uh, thinking about becoming dads are already um it's on its way uh baby boy baby girl's on its way that um you know i one of the things i had to learn is just like how how you have to simplify and all those things you can get caught up in all those little things and it's like the advice people give you um, but you're really not going to know until you get into it. And that's for sure. The um, uh, challenge has been to where it's like, wow. Yeah, well, I, I should back up. There are some days where I'm like, I don't even remember what I used to do with my free time. Well, in that, sure yeah. I bike a lot, but yeah. like, it's just, it's a different, it's a different life. I wouldn't change it for, for a second, of course, but it's like, it, it's fun to use that analogy with, you know, for me with bikes and life and, you know, I use that with climbing and, or with a race, it's, you know, my buddy, when, uh, when we were pregnant and we, then we found out we were having twins, but I think this was just before, before we found out we were having twins and just found out we were pregnant. My buddy who had a three or four year old at the time who I rode with on a weekly basis, he was like, man, just get ready for the greatest ride, the best race, the toughest race of your life. And I was like, hmm. and I've thought about it often since then. And so what, when I've done races or rides and it's hurting or whatever, it's like, oh, this is just temporary physical pain. It's like, it's not like the endurance that you, the endurance race that you're in when it comes to like having kids and, um, you know, fulfilling marriage, all those things that, that you can combine it with. Yeah. So take us back then. Take us uh, maybe just before, what was it like before? Oh, I mean, what were you, even before marriage? I mean, what were you into uh, and how did that change? And then how did it, and then uh, after that, before kids? So before kid, uh, go back to you know, right out of college, I was at Colorado State in Fort Collins and, um, 
was most most of my I, I was into mountain biking and I always have been when I was a kid, but my big passion when growing up was ice hockey. So I was still even at that time after I played a little bit of college club hockey, then was playing men's league and I was a hockey coach and doing everything from beginner adult ice skating lessons to ice skating lessons for uh, people with disabilities and kids and all this stuff. And you, and I just, and at this time I'm dating my wife, my now wife. Um, and we were just sort of like newly graduated from high school and we were, we're both pretty social, uh, you know, good network of friends. Both of us have a good network of friends, both from the same city. So then we moved back to Colorado Springs and, uh, get married house to rent. And we're just like, I don't know, we both get into our social work professions from there. Um, we met in the school of social work and, um, being a one of very, very few guys in social work, I actually got <laughs> more women in there than I realized. So <laughs> that was actually kind of nice, but which was important at the time. Now it's like, yeah. Oh, great. More ladies. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I think it was more, it was, and this kind of tight kind of rolls me back into a, a lot, a big thing that I've learned is just how we really take care of ourselves without really being like selfish. We just, when you wake up, who do you take care of yourself? You brush your teeth, you eat breakfast and all these other things. Being a dad, I wake up and I won't shower till much later in the day. Usually after the boys go to bed, I won't, you know, it, all those things that really change that, you know, if I felt like going on, you know, on, it was a Saturday, Sarah would maybe go meet her friends for coffee and I'd go, uh, I'd take my dog and we'd go mountain biking. Um, or whatever. It was just this free flowing schedule. Um, and then with the boys, it's like, man, life is de- in a big way determined for you. Um, but it's not, and it's not in a scary way. It's not in a bad way. It's like you're, it's what you do. It's what you got to do. And, and if new dads or dads on to be are listening, it's not a bad thing at, at all. And you're not going to lose your freedom necessarily although at times maybe you later on you feel like that but like there's no place i'd rather be um it just changes it just changes it and it's in a bittersweet kind of way that you never can imagine and you don't know until you're actually there yeah you really find i think you you said it a little bit earlier but um what you find is you don't realize what you did before i mean you said you know you can you remember obviously big things, but then if you try to fill in the time, like you said, like a Saturday where you went and rode and your wife went, you know, with her her friends, you don't, if looking back, you don't realize like you you think, where did all that time go? Right. And and do you feel, cause I feel not regretful, but kind of regretful because I look back and I'm thinking, what the hell did I do with all that time? You almost feel like you wasted it. Right. Um, And of course at the time that doesn't occur to you, but it only, I think it only feels like you waste it because you then with, with one or three or four kids, it doesn't matter. It, it redefines what your purpose is and what, what you identify your purpose as being. I, um, and that is being a dad. Like nobody else, tons of people could go out there and do all the other things that you used to do, but nobody can be the child's father except for you. You know, if that makes sense, it's like, 
it, it redefined what, how, what and how you spend your time. Yeah. I certainly felt like I wasted and like, man, I wish I had traveled more. I should have done this <laughs> one. And then like, yeah, that's all well and good and true. Um, and I guess it's like, I don't know. I'm drawing a blank here where I was No, going. it's a, it, yeah, no, I, yeah, certainly I, I feel totally like understand it's, because it's just a weird thing. At the time, it seemed like you had so much going on and all that stuff. And then you look back and oh, you realize. Oh, so busy. Yeah. That there's just. <laughs> time was just you just didn't do anything that's what i feel like i just it feels like i just didn't do anything i right. just kind of sat around and looked at the wall <laughs> you know right. it really does i can't right. i can't believe um so I'm, I'm not really a regretful type of person you know regret not doing something or whatever but that's one of the things where i'm i look back so that kind of drives a lot of the yeah what i do now as far as well if you want to get something done or you want to do it you just need to do it and yeah, it, you know, and you have, it, really have to really think about it. Is and hone in on doing what is important and the most yeah. important. And when I do have free time, using that the best way. And yeah. I do different things with it. I mean, I was never a person to take naps. I sure love naps now. <laughs> like, it, just, it, it makes you more productive, right? Yeah. I mean, when you do actually do things. Yeah. So with the okay, we we started talking about this, and this is one of the items I wanted to hit because. Like like we mentioned before, you became a dad, right? You you kind of look into it and say, okay, these are kind of the things that this is how it's going to go, and these are the things that I, you know, I think I know that I can use to my advantage or that'll work well with the kids. Right. How has it changed? You you went in. Can you just explain what I guess some of the expectations that you had before, and then what have you learned since? Huh. Because oh, for me, so this is what I've learned is, and this is where I'm going to go with the patience thing, right? Oh, yeah. Um, I've learned, and it's funny because listeners, we were talking off the air, and Daniel had mentioned that he learned that he thought he was a patient person until he had the boys, yeah. and now he really knows what patience is. And it's funny he said that because that's pretty much I've been saying that to my wife and other people since like I thought I was really patient, but I was never really tested. And, right. um, so that's, that's a major thing that I've learned. So what, yeah. what's your scoop? Well, yeah. And you know, it's like, uh, for me, the, the, the Bible is a big deal in my personal faith. And the, there's this scripture that says love is patient. And it was always kind of before that. It's like, okay, patient, but I didn't, it never sunk in until like, and so I'll also tie this into my work prior to Kids on Bikes. I worked with um, youth that were experiencing homelessness here in Colorado Springs and transitioning them into their own place and trying to learn how down a job or blah, blah, blah. And patience definitely came into play there. I mean, I could, that's a whole nother, that's a whole nother podcast story. And that's probably a series, but <laughs> I'm serious. Like, no, yeah. Stories I have from that, but just learning that patience really isn't you think you're patient and I'm like, Oh yeah, I'm a patient guy. And it's like, well, you're, you're not really being pushed to be patient. I think patience becomes more of a choice in the moment of you have got to choose to be patient. You've got to put away those, though you're feeling angry and frustrated. And I grant, I certainly failed at this a lot and that sucks. I mean, that, that's probably one of the biggest things I regret. I always regret afterwards. Like, dang it, I've got to become more patient. Like 
I can't afford not to be patient. But, um, you know, with people, it's working with people in social work or working with a group of volunteers for kids on bikes or then your neighbors or whomever it might be. It's like it, patience comes in when you're frustrated and you have to then like take a step back, take a breath, do whatever you can and then move on from there in a productive way um, and communicate effectively and, and do all that. So, you know, with the boys, it's like they're at the, so being over three years old and people are like, Oh, you've experienced the terrible twos. I'm like, you know what? Two was fine. Three. I'm struggling because they are so much, they're so much smarter now and independent. And just this morning, my boy Liam was so upset. He wanted to watch a movie. He wanted to watch movie cars or toy story. I don't know. Like nobody, not this one. And he just, yeah. and it's instant fit kicking. And you're just like, and then my other boy, he'll do the same where he's just like, I'm talking literally five inches away from him. Like Elijah, Elijah, stop. No, stop. Elijah. And it's like, you don't even, and it's like that Charlie Brown thing where it's like, wah, 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 wah. Right, That's right. all they hear is just wah, wah, wah when the adult's talking. Yeah. And that it's just like infuriating. And I'm just like, doggone it. And you just start getting all, and this is just this morning. I kid you not. And it's, most, <laughs> it's mostly a daily occurrence. Now at some, some point throughout the day, there's this point where I'm like, it's a good thing. I don't have any hair left on my head because I'd be pulling at it right now. Um, I have like a, I have a sliding yeah. scale, right? The first time is <laughs> a sliding scale. Well, yeah. I, I guess not a sliding scale, but like a, a gradient, right? So if you had white on the left and black on the on the right, and it was gray, all you know, it had a, a color gradient in there. So my yeah. first time, I say, you know, for example, like stop, right? If it, if right. play is messing with Paige, I tell him to stop. First yeah. time doesn't listen, then it's Clay. Stop. Right. Like I say, it a little bit louder. Third <laughs> yeah. time, like what I've been, what I've started to do the last month or so is I just yell. Yeah. Because it really, then all of a sudden they both perk up and she's like, oh crap, what am I doing? And then right. he's like, he, he doesn't like me. Now he's to the point where he doesn't like me either touching. Like if I, you know, grab his arm to take him in his room or yell, he, he's like, dad, don't do that. And I said, right. I only do that because you don't listen to me. The first, you don't even acknowledge me the first time. Right. So I need to get your attention and this is what I'm going to do. So if yeah. you don't want me to do that, then you need to listen the first time. And I mean, yeah. I have to do it again and I, I feel bad, yeah. but at the same time, they both perk up pretty damn quick. Right. It feels yeah. terrible sometimes, but yeah. Man. And it's, it's this, and I, I, I know exactly what you do. So I go, Liam, Liam, <laughs> Liam, John bird. And I'll throw <laughs> the middle name, the full name. I'm like, Oh my yeah. gosh, I'm going to a full name now. And they right. usually, and then of course, sometimes they like, they call each other by their middle name. So it's kind of right. cute. <laughs> then, then you're like, Oh man, how can I even yeah. yell at them? Man? They hear the middle when they know the middle name's been dropped, but then it's just like, no. And, and I think the scare and that's, and so this goes back to the have to like working on being patient and how much of an exercise it is, because what I don't like to see is them then modeling that behavior with each other. So, and I think this is maybe more unique to gotcha. twins, but like when Elijah's frustrated at Liam or vice versa, if they're frustrated at each other, they'll they'll kind of get angry and yell, almost yelling at each other. Like, oh, I don't like that. 
that's not good. But where else did they learn that from? But from me, Oh, I feel like such a, I feel like a crappy dad at times. And my wife, we both struggle with it. We just, but your instinct, a lot of times, if they're doing something too, that's dangerous, if they're reaching up for the stove or that they're, you know, whatever. And it's like, it's a potential safety. (laughs) Your immediate instinct is to yell. Yeah. And it's like this, this, uh, I don't know what it is. Primitive. It's just sort of get their chin at all costs, and right. yeah, and uh, certainly go on that. Yeah, that scale that you mentioned is exactly yeah. right on the it's, money. It's and you know you mentioned the between each other, and that's mm-hmm. something that I'm nervous about too because Clay, it's so hard to tell him not to because he'll do the same thing to Paige. If Paige starts doing something that she's not supposed to, he'll be the yeah. first one to yell. And I'm like, Clay, and then I have to explain to him, Clay, you, you don't yell at her right away. You have to, you know, tell her, explain what's going on. And yeah. I, it's really hard. It, yeah. It's such a balance. And you try to figure out like, okay, why, why, <laughs> why don't they listen? And I'm like, okay, it's, it's gotta be maybe development. And this is a bit of the social work yeah, right. stuff coming okay. out of me where it's like, and, um, where we're like, okay, you, if you, if you choose to keep Oh, disobeying me. I am going to pick you up. I am going to put you in timeout or something. Yeah. Are you going to do what I say or are you going to choose timeout or, you know, trying to remember to give them the option. So if it's like they're throwing the fin, I'm like, buddy, I gave you fair chance to like <laughs> to not do or do what I've asked you to do. Like, you know, we have at least practiced enough of like, okay, but who's in charge? Me or you? Right. Okay. Yeah. So <laughs> do you, do you find that sometimes with the social work background and doing all the stuff you do, kids on bikes, your background, um, that you sometimes, do you find yourself overthinking things sometimes? Overanalyzing? Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, I, I could see where I, I definitely do. It's, okay. I think partly the way, I, um, that's a great question. Cause I do think I over and like, yeah, worry about the, how so in working with youth or kids and all that where and in a therapy type of setting they can identify kids can identify the one they can if they go file go back in their files of memories they can remember one time when it really scared them that or it it was the a defining moment or it was like a series of things but they can remember very specific things whether they're good or bad um but how much that comes up in therapy and how much that came up in my work with social work to where it's like, I'm always, I do, I kind of worry about that. Is this one of those one times where it's like going to be so definitive and he's going to have an anger issue or something like that. But do you uh, think that just the uh, fact of you thinking about that, I mean, that comes across to the kids that you really give a shit, right? <laughs> well, it really does. It comes across even just the fact of you consciously thinking about all this stuff. I mean, that comes across in your actions. So even, even if you do that one defining moment, you know, maybe you, you lose your patience, you go out, you know, you yell and you get above and beyond what you normally would. Right. Right. I mean, you're worried about that coming out, but at the same time, I would, I would say this is my uneducated, uh, social work (laughs) background, right? I have no idea. Um, other than personal experience, I, I just think, you know, a lot of times people don't, what happened? It seems to me so. Yeah. That 
a lot of these cases where kids are having issues is because the parents just weren't yes. even mindful oh, yeah. there. You know what I mean? Oh, there's so much more. Oh, absolutely. Okay. So, oh. so do you, do you think that, I, I mean, do yeah, you think I, there's some I, validity I to that, that just the fact that you're thinking about all this stuff that your, your kids are going to pick up on it, that you really do care. It's about being intentional, right? Yeah. It's like, I'm intentional about like, I, and then after the fact, like if I'm be like, buddy, I'm sorry. I, I'm sorry. I got mad at you or whatever. Like just in being intentional and being present, uh, reading a book at night, all those things to be intentional because your, your intentions are good and having that it, it's huge. I mean, gosh, right. that's yeah. When I'm talking about my experience with the youth that I worked with, right? there's, I mean, that's one, that's the one instance is bad too. I mean, truly it's, it's a case of serious abuse or whatever. For me, it's like, because I love those boys seriously more than any other human being. Um, it's like, it makes it all that more, you, it, it feels so much more fragile. They feel so fragile, mm -hmm. you know? So I think that's the, that's the nervousness is like, here's this, you know, my size, the sound of my voice, everything could be, maybe it's like really, really scary to them. Maybe there's just, they're just not quite there yet. And I got to remind myself, they're only three years old. I, like, yeah, I know. I, I'm yeah. expecting like results that even I don't, Sometimes you don't even get from adults uh -huh. or kids that are much older. Like, you know, I, yeah, I, I certainly overanalyze it. You know, I want to be careful because, yeah, I certainly care about being a good dad. But the social work thing, yeah, probably overanalyze too much sometimes. I mean, it's not a bad thing. I'm just curious because you have that background. A lot of us right, don't. Yeah, and it's, exactly. it's interesting to, to hear about that because from my perspective, I'm just, like I said, very uneducated when it comes to social work. So my thoughts are, okay, so I just want to teach him these general areas and yeah. I want to be independent and, um, you know, just, just that type of thing. So like independence yeah. important to me, teach him how to cook so he can, he stands up on us. We have this like kid's stool thing where he stands up and he holds, I taught him now he holds the pan with the handle yeah. and he stirs that he mixes eggs. He cooks wow. eggs. Um, but, but things like that. So I, I miss out on the, the other aspects of all the yeah. things that developmentally, I don't know, like right. the different, well, and that's, and more, all and that's, yeah, that's like more childhood development, which I'm not, uh, I, I know about and I, you know, it was mm -hmm. part of the education in college and all that, but mm -hmm. no, the reality is and all at the end of the day, I don't care what if you're a CPA or you've got your master's in counseling or whatever, it's like everybody struggles with being a parent. It's the same. <laughs> so we're it's all like in level, level playing line. field. Okay. Oh, absolutely. It's just more of what perspective do we have on certain situations as they're playing out? Like, and there's no, there's no way to um, prove one way or another is like absolutely perfect or anything. At least from what I can tell, it's like we've seen other you know, friends of ours that are a few years ahead of us in raising kids and seeing the difference in like how they parent and the ways they do different things and what they did. And you kind of pick up a little things along the way. And you're like, Oh, okay. That's cool. That makes sense. But other people are doing stuff where I'm like, that makes no sense to me. It's not even within my <laughs> mindset to do that. So it's an obvious, well, that's not obviously going to make its way into our house because 
why would you do that? That doesn't make sense. <laughs> it's not a priority or whatever. Right. Um, and, yeah. and it's interesting. You said the, the having high expectations for the boys, because yeah. I, I'm the same way. Like I don't, it, it drives me bonkers not to, <laughs> like my mom actually said something to me. It, this was like a year ago and Clay's, you know, a year and a half, but trying to, I don't push him. Like I don't actively like you have to do this and you have to learn how to do this and you have to, but I expect him to, you know, if we, if we've been reading a book several times, I expect him to know the color of the shirt on the kid that's in the book. Right. Because we've practiced it. He, he learned it. I expect him to know that. Yeah. And I expect him to, cause he can talk well at, for his age, he can speak, he speaks in, in good. And he's always been pretty, I mean, pretty good. Like it's really easy to teach him basically. Um, but I, I always expected him to, to tell me, right. Don't, don't say it for him. I expect you to tell me if I ask you a question, I expect you to. So I, I expect him to do things. I'm not going to push him, but, but my mom actually said something, you know, that Ben, you just, you need to lay off. He's a year and a half. I said, yeah, but he understands what I'm saying. And he knows the answer. He knows what we're talking about and he should, he, he can figure it out. And she said that and it it sticks with me because I, I'm always trying to stay a little bit ahead of where he's at and that it becomes harder as it goes along. Are you finding it harder? Like the, now that they're three and they're getting pretty smart. I mean, are you, you finding it hard to kind of stay that step ahead of them? Well, just realizing how fast it's going and how grown up they're already getting. So we're already, you know, Sarah and I are just like at, at random times throughout the day, sad at how big they're getting. We're like, man, slow down, stop growing. Don't get any bigger because it's so cute and fun right now. And then just seeing how they're, and, and what's interesting is right now they're, they're going to transition from what's really more of a daycare type of situation to legitimate preschool. And it's this, Oh my gosh, homework's right around the corner and all these things that are coming up and to stay a step ahead, you know, yeah, physically. Okay. So I'm going to back up a little bit. Oh, that's fine. Not, they were tiny. It was physically, I could carry them both. No problem. Mm-hmm. And you kind of build up strength as they get heavier. Your arms are slowly getting a little bit stronger mm-hmm. to maintain their, their weight. Now they're both. I think they're at least 40 pounds each. They're, okay. So it's exponential. Yeah, so now screwed. both picking them both up and I'm just like, okay, lower back is already starting to hurt. It's only been a minute and boys, I can't, sorry, hang on. I'm slipping. You're slipping. You know? And it's like, I've lost the ability to physically keep up with them in a way that I used to. I agree. We can wrestle each other, but it's not going to be too long before they're going to probably rip my arms off. Uh, if we, if they're both, wrestling against me like they do now mm-hmm. but then in all the other senses of uh staying a step ahead in terms of where they're at developmentally and 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 all those things it's like wow they advance so fast and our boys right now are advancing so fast and just all of a sudden they're the way they talk to sarah and i and explain something about their day we sarah and i just look at each other with and our jaws drop a little bit like, <laughs> like where did you learn that sounds like five-year-old hey right. what yeah Where did you you know um so but then and then so it goes back to what you're saying you expect them to you're expecting more more behavior out of them than maybe you should at times where i'm like 
Elijah, if I say your name and ask you to do something, I expect it to be done. Like that's how it, right? That's how it should work. Right. And that goes back to, you know, or like, Hey, Elijah, Elijah, you kind of, right. you know, get louder and louder and louder to get the name because you're expecting that result or anything else that you've worked on because other times it works too. They just, they're choosing to ignore you. I think (laughs) they're engaged in whatever they're doing and we expect them to like, if I'm ready to tell you to do something, you better listen up. Right. Exactly. (laughs) So I want to, I want to ask you about the, you know, we talked about what you learned as being a dad and I want to talk about what you learned um, from being with kids on bikes and how that relates back to the kids. But first I want to ask you something about the, just the simple fact of having twins. You mentioned the, you know, just getting stronger. Like that's just a natural thing as the kids, as the kids grow, like you do, I mean, just to pick them up wise, you get stronger. Right. But for you and just being, you know, you get married, you go along, you're happy. And, and then you're going to have, what you think is a kid and then you find out it's twins. How long does that take to get back to some kind of equilibrium? I mean, the first year, I mean, it can't be easy, obviously. Does it take like a year? Did it take until now? I mean, give people an idea of what it's like to have twins that first, uh, chunk of a year or two. I'm sorry to say that I even have, I'm like already having a hard time remembering I remember, so they've years. <laughs> well, you're proving my point. So go ahead. <clears throat> Excuse me. They, the years have gone by so fast. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, uh, <laughs> I first found out we were having twins. Like I did an arm fist pump in the air. I got okay. so excited. My wife didn't blink. For about five minutes. <laughs> actually, I actually had to walk. She was walking to the counter to check out from the appointment. Yeah. And I actually had to say, no, wait, turn. And I had to turn her as she's walking to not go straight out the door, but to go to the counter. <clears throat> she just couldn't so the, believe it. Yeah. The shock was, the shock just took forever to settle in. So everything, it was more of like, you know, you think of your life as a story and there's chapters to your life. This had, this is a story in and of itself with chapters in and of themselves where it's the, the pregnant, the uniqueness of twins coming up. And we're just like everything from how in the world are we logistically going to do this? Cause so we, these are our first kids too. So we don't know what it's like to have one. We just <laughs> jump right yeah. in with two. Right. So it is what it is. We don't know. We can't compare it. So a lot of times people with having only had one child or one child at a time say, gosh, that must have been so hard. And it's like, well, it, yes, there's certainly hard times just like you. We don't know any different. It's, it's, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? And then the context of our lives, it's just, it's, it's what it is. So, you know, we're, they were in the NICU for a week. So we lived in the hospital for a week. Right. That's a, that's a, that's a memory. And I, and we have a lot of memories about that. Then we brought them home and they had to be on oxygen for about a month. So these oxygen cords were a hassle and all these things. So we are actually restricted to the back end of the house as far as mm-hmm. these oxygen tank cords would allow us to go with them. How, sorry, how big were they when they were born? Uh, uh, let's see. Four pounds, 
No, four pounds each. I okay. Think Which is, I mean, that's, that's pretty even, small. yeah, that's yeah. even kind of, I mean, twins are generally pretty small. Yeah. And twins typically come early, which they did. Mm-hmm. Um, so they're on oxygen. Uh, and you so know, stuck to, to the back of the house was like, you know, to go out of the house for, a, for a 45 minute doctor appointment was a three hours out of the day mm-hmm. to get everything ready to get, you know, so then to get the little travel tank thing set up and whatever. And they had to, they had to pass with flying colors before they'd be allowed off oxygen. So that after we clipped, so after we cleared the hurdle of being out of the NICU and went home, it was like, ah, oh, it was nice to breathe and nice to be back at home. Once we cleared the hurdle of the oxygen and they were off oxygen, it was like the world opened up to us. We could walk through the house with holding the boys and we could walk into the front porch. You know, our house is kind of like a long ranch type of one level house. Um, so to be, to be able to carry a boy through the rest of the house was monumental. It was huge, you know, and then all the little state, the steps along the way, just, you know, yeah. Anyway, they kind of, what was the, so I guess with that, how did you, I mean, because initially, yeah, you have to go to the doctor quite a bit. I mean, yeah. When did it start settling up? When were the kids like, didn't need to go to the doctor that much? You were all good. I mean, mm-hmm. did it first settle in that, okay, it wasn't going to take, I mean, we can have them around the rest of the house. We can take, it doesn't take three hours to go to the doctor when we need to go. Right. Like we can actually function. Like one of us can cook and one of us can clean and they weren't, um, you know, diapers all the time. And they, I mean, take us like, when did it start to say, okay, this feels like we're getting into a little rhythm. Oh, man. I, like what did they start? Were they, were they good sleeping right away or did they, um, well, not exactly. Um, <laughs> we slept for, so they would kind of, they, they wouldn't, they wouldn't wake up and fall asleep at the same time. And they had to be fed pretty regularly, like every three hours, you know? And so we would sleep uh, about an hour at a time or a half hour or not at all between it. Sort of <laughs> and that was a few, that was several months in okay. for sure. And in fact we had, so we fell in, but we got into a rhythm even with that. And actually one of the best memories and we talked to people about, like, you know, friends of ours that are about to have a baby or just had a baby. Sarah and I um, kind of had two days within a day, within the 24 hours. We had our regular day time day, and then we had the through the night. Af- after our 5 a.m. feeding kind of thing, there was usually t- we would get two hours of sleep between five and seven. But after that five feet five feeding, we would be ready. It was like the end of the day. So we were ready for a beer. So we were having a Coors Light because we had to keep it kind of light. <laughs> we started this, and it was just a it was just a thing like five thirty a.m. Opening up a Coors Light, unwinding, and we would go to sleep for a little bit before we'd start our day. And then you know, at this point later too, I'm like, I think I was back at work. I got a month off of work, which was huge. Oh, that's really quite, good. Quite a bit, yeah. It was incredible, and of course, we you know we have friends and family helping us out and it was mm-hmm. awesome. Um, but even still, it's like we covered this way off early on in our conversation, the day to day, the little logistics. 
when you're surviving just those and going through those, the little Coors Light at the end of the day, <laughs> and it was it was oh, so that's funny. And then of course it got to the point where it's like, yeah, we shouldn't be drinking first thing in the morning. And now it feels like we're drinking in the morning. We can't do <laughs> so. We stopped doing that, but um, it was uh, that rhythm stopped, and then now we got and then we got into a new rhythm of got oh man, and I remember they first slept through the night. You woke up and you're like, oh crap. We haven't been up. Are they dead? <laughs> right. Yeah. No, that's your first reaction. It's like, oh, oh, you know, you had this brief pen and then so sleeping through the night and you just clear the surface. So then you fall into a new rhythm, but you kind of have to figure out a new schedule too. Like, oh, okay. Like I, now it's a little bit different. They don't eat every three hours. They're eating every five or, and they're sleeping longer and two naps during the day became one. So that we got into a new rhythm with that and schedule and what was really unique with twins and we did get some good advice with twins was to get them on the same schedule if you don't get them on the same eating sleeping schedule you're going to run yourself ragged and we could have seen that and it could have gone south pretty bad mm-hmm. and of course when you're both sleep deprived and everything you can turn on each other pretty quick when you're not sleeping well and all that too so that that was really great advice that we got from parents who had twins was to really get to to make a schedule happen and make it work um and that i think was a huge huge turning point for us and doing it early on made made all the difference for sure mhm yeah it's it so, advice like that is very good yeah yeah Especially, and then, it seems like people with twins kind of all stick it seems like they have to stick together do you do any yeah. groups or anything like that? Any like, so yeah, there's a lot of there's some it's uh parents of multiples is a group, I think is what it's called, and we were kinda of tied into that. Because then, you know, it's buying it's everything you would think. <laughs> it's the joke of like, oh, two for one. It's like, no, two for two. It's still the cost of two babies. Like, right, right. <laughs> twice the amount of clothes, it's twice the amount of diapers or whatever. Um, but that we you know, so there were these parents of multiples garage sales. So the strollers that were for, set up for two and those kinds of cool things. But man, we, so we have identical twin girls living right next door to us and it's a single mom. Oh, geez. So we, and so the, the being a parent and having a, a wife that, you know, we're together and mm-hmm. like, I, I just, one of the biggest things that I would, I tell everybody and I would want all listeners to hear is like, have, have every intention that you can to help out in any way, any single parent around you being a single parent has got to be so hard because being a parent with someone else is hard enough is hard, but I just have a whole new respect and like empathy for, for single parents. Mm -hmm. And like, if you have a neighbor who's a single parent, if you can do one thing once a week, tiny bit, even for like 30 minutes of something to help them, it would probably be huge. Because we have so identical twin, and it's just amazing. So identical twin girls that are just a little bit younger than the boys, right next door. And it's like, of course, of all the places that this mom would move with her kids, would be right next door to us. And that was, it's pretty awesome. So we get them together and they play, and you know, and she works time, um, and it's it's amazing because yeah, it's like wow, having 
So I think they just turned three. Yeah, her little girls just turned three. So they're really, really close in age. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> like, oh my gosh. the You know, but we see her getting into the rhythm and how to structure things and how to plan. Like, you plan all day, of course, and, but you do need to do it. You need to make an effort in planning how you're going to get things done. And, and she has other support around her. Don't get me wrong. It's not yeah. like she's completely on her own. But, right. you know, we, we do what we can well, what we can, whenever we can, even if it's just uh, getting the kids together to play so she can kick back and have a glass of wine. Yeah. You know? yep. So anyway. All right. So before we're going to start wrapping this up, but I want to get your take on kids on bikes, what you've learned. How long have you been with kids on bikes? Uh, Full time. I've been on kids on bikes for over a year now, just over a year. Okay. Uh, I was part time and seasonal for about a, uh, half a year before that. Okay. So you've yeah. been there about a year doing it full time. Yeah. What have you, I guess let's, I mean, you've learned a lot of things, obviously it's being, being in that position. I mean, there's stuff that you probably, it's the same as kids. You didn't realize that you didn't know or things you picked up on. Um, but give us some lessons that you've learned from kids on bikes that maybe you have taken back and started to realize, or maybe even use or realize or look at your own kids in a different way. Yeah. Um, you know, realizing why, so when we're, um, doing a lot of programs for kids and, uh, so we do these mountain bike camps and so parents trusting your kid with other people and leaving them, how, how much I take that to heart. And like every kid that comes to our camp, I'm like, you know, I can identify with the parent, whether it's, the kids having a rough day. They've had a rough morning. There's a reason why they're late. I get it. And it's okay. It's, you know, and I, I, I tell the parents like, that's all good. I got no worries. Don't worry about it. Cause they'll come in. I'm so sorry. We're late. It's all good. Don't worry. Like it's fine. We're going to have, we're going to have a good day. You know, we'll see when we get back, you know, whatever. Um, I, I've certainly learned like how you want to have the best for your kids and why parents who don't, and so we, we serve as many people and families that don't have the means and access to get their kids a bike, a bike, just how important that is because it's so simple. No reason every kid really shouldn't have and get a bike. And that's what I, that's what motivates me in a huge way. Um, and I'm able to get my, you know, my boys have striders and they, we, we ride around in our driveway on them and it's awesome. And, um, learn just how important all those little things are and all those details into planning a ride or event for all the families involved. Like I can see it through the lens of a parent um, and not just say staff and like, here's what you do. And it's just, it's what you do and what parents would, would expect this or be concerned about this. And do you background check your volunteers and all those things? Like, yeah, I get it. I get why it's important. And you don't, you know, make it pass any, you know, you just can't pass any kind of judgment at all mm-hmm. on any scenario because you just don't know. You don't know the family dynamics and you don't know how tight money might be or or anything like that. Yeah, it's, yeah. it sounds to me that you it actually works opposite of what I intended. So I my my intention, you know, I'm putting together this interview and thinking about the things I want to talk to you about. And I'm in my head, I'm thinking, okay, it's, it's lessons that you learned from kids on bikes that you would take home. And it really sounds like 
the lessons that you've learned at home with your own kids has really yeah. shaped you to do what you do in your career better. Yeah, yeah for sure. I, I guess I naturally kind of, that's where my mind went. Um, yeah. I and, did. And I was thinking backwards. I, yeah. I guess from my perspective, I, I just learned something that I didn't realize about myself that um, it, you think of all these other things that you do that have shaped, I guess, who you think you are or whatever and how you deal, interact with your family and your kids. But it's really the kids kind of change that. And I just kind yeah. of put it all into words. <laughs> Whereas <laughs> the kids are actually changing the way I interact and perceive yeah. where I fit in yeah. throughout I, my relationships outside of the home. Yeah. I, um, on a, through it, yeah, through that going the other direction in that thought process, realizing how much more how time management and being organized is so big. Real, I what highlighted for me at home and or kind of carried into kids on bikes is like to be productive with time when my time is for kids on bikes to be productive with that time um, because I can't afford not to be because um, I can't come home and catch up on work. If I, when I come home, I got to be at home. I got to be present at home. Yeah. I and you, can't. And you don't want to be up until three in the morning catching up I, on work. Exactly. <laughs> right. It, and so that was an interesting thing to find out. I think where it's, it's being productive with your time and time management and being organized. And I, I realized how disorganized I can be and how, it, how important it can be to be to get organized in simple ways that make sense and work for you. You know, we're planning our entire calendar year for kids on bikes right now, everything from camps to the programs to volunteer days and all these things. And there's just kind of this season to our calendar year for kids on bikes. You plan and prepare, you launch, execute, you unwind or, you know, things calm down a bit and you go into fundraising, fundraising season towards the end of the year. That's kind of how our calendar year works. So it's having a season and rhythm to life is much like the day to day and having a season and rhythm to, you know, plan and prepare, do things ahead of time so that getting out the door in the morning isn't a scramble, but to line things up and talk, you know, you know, whatever it could be to get your day to day function going well. I think, I think I'm just seeing it, you know, how they lessons from work help have helped me at home and, and, so many things at home have helped me reprioritize and refocus my energy at work, you know, and I, I'm very, very fortunate in that my work, my skill set and passion are very linked in my job and I'm very fortunate in that. So I get to kind of, and being kids and working with kids. So we have actually even strider camps. So being a dad of boys who are on striders and then, you know, having strider camps for my job, it's like, it's pretty cool. So I do have a lot of that, Things mirror each other a lot, and you know I can identify with the parents who are there and all that. So yeah, yeah, it just makes you a more pleasant person to deal with when they show up because they're all <laughs> flustered. I mean, you put it perfectly because I see it sometimes in daycare. Like I, our kids go to daycare now three days a week, okay, um, just yeah. so I can get all my stuff done. I'm with them Mondays and Fridays, and then they're um, okay. Go to daycare Tuesday, yep. Wednesday, Thursday. Tuesdays, Wednesday, Thursdays, you're crushing it. I'm just cranking stuff. Like you, <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's, I can't get enough done. Like I'm just, just totally focused and like cranking and all this stuff. Um, yeah. but, um, I see it and I could see it 
coming to you with all frazzled and trying to get the kids there and being late. And then you just like, yeah. all right, it's cool. We'll have a good day. And the parents are like the way I, I bet a lot of times you can see the parents just like, you can see the weight just lifted off their shoulders. Yeah. 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 <laughs> we've, we've held back. Like, yeah. Like you're, you're running late. You hit traffic or whatever. You didn't get on, you know, your life didn't go as well as you wanted to. And that is life. Like it's okay. Um, and you have to, and yeah, being like, give yourself a break too. I, I think I've said that a lot to parents because I had it said to me, like, dude, take it. It's like, it's okay. So I, you know, you find yourself saying the things that comforted, what comforted me at different times. I, I find myself saying to people and genuinely meaning it because you can, it's like, no, I, I, I get it. I, I understand. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> no, so that's, it's some good insight. I, I you know, yeah. looking at the learning from kids on bikes or learning from the kids to, to take you, take those lessons to work is, I guess, it's funny. I never really thought of it that way. And I, I guess, you know, for a lot of people out there, maybe in the same situation, they never really thought that, you know, you always focus on how the job affects your house, right? And, mm-hmm. you know, you, you're always thinking about work and trying to get this stuff done so you can get home. And I think, I'm guessing there's similar people out there that are in my shoes where they didn't really think of, okay, so how is my, you know, now the kids or even just, you know, the family, how that is affecting how I do my work for a more positive, from a more positive perspective. Right. So it's, it's interesting. We came at it from two different ways. <laughs> yeah. So that's good. It's definitely yeah. good. All right, cool. So listeners, I'll link all this how to contact them in the show notes. Um, but for now go over to kidsonbikes.net. And I will mention too, before I wrap this up, I say it, I try to say this in every episode, but the, if you're not familiar, if you listen to this on the website and you're thinking, Hey, mobile, is there anything I can listen to on my phone? Yes. The first place I direct people is to go to, uh, any of your app stores, type in mountain bike radio and download the app for free. It's standalone app, our own deal. And what you can do, the reason I say this is because as you're listening, if you think, if I mentioned show notes, what you can do, for example, is on the iPhone, the bottom right hand corner, there's a little E. You click on that, it's E for extras. You just touch on that and it'll take you to all the links that you can click and you can browse as you're, as you're listening. Um, and the other powerful thing about the app is you can search. So we have all these different shows, all this different content, all this different feed coming. At the top of the the app, there's a little search bar. So all you want to do is if you want to listen to anything that has to do with kids on bikes, for example, you type in kids on bikes or type in kids on bikes in that box and it'll pull up all the episodes in the last two years that have to do with kids on bikes. That's awesome. So if you want to hear about fat bikes, do the same thing. If you want to hear about gravel, Type in gravel and it'll pull up all the same deal. So pretty slick. So that's why I direct people to the app. But if you're not, if you're more into iTunes or stitcher.com, you can go to iTunes or stitcher.com. So that's the scoop. So Daniel, thank you very much. I appreciate the time. I know you oh. have a lot of stuff going on. <laughs> Obviously <laughs> no. you just explained it. Me too. Uh, so yeah. no, thank you. And uh, it's, it's, it's awesome that hopefully, I mean, if anything, anybody who's going to be bad or be a dad, it's like, you're not alone in it. And, but it, and if you're about to be a dad, it's going to be the best, 
best, toughest, greatest race or ride you've ever done. Exactly. <laughs> if you can take the, if you're, if you're into bikes. Right. Not, and, and presumably a lot of people are, so we're, well, we're all good. I yeah. think, I think they really, I think they understand it. I, and it's, this is, I guess this is a topic for another show where I'm going to have to have you on again. We're going to talk some more stuff. So, all right, listeners, you'll hear from Daniel again, because we, when we do talk, we talk a lot, <laughs> but yeah, so this will be another, another topic. We'll get him on again, check in what's going on and, uh, that should be good. So thank you listeners. I appreciate it. And, uh, until next time, this is the being dad show. And I'm Ben. He's Daniel. Go to kidsonbikes.net, and that's it. See you later.